In Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? These questions are still on the minds of many people today. And we will draw from several different Bible prophets and take a modern day look at the end time scenario on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. You know, Jesus prophesied of many events that would surround His second coming. He said, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ or I am a Christian, but they will deceive many. That's why it is of utmost importance that you have a working knowledge of the Word of God, especially going throughout the end time. Because there are things that you absolutely participate, need to participate in and things that you absolutely cannot participate in. They're of eternal consequence. But if you do not have a working knowledge of the Word of God, you might think, well, hey, this is a good thing. This person is a Christian and they're telling me something. But if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you should not follow that individual in the end time. Jesus said there will be many coming, even in my name, but they would be deceiving many. Folks, have a working knowledge of the Word of God for yourself. Jesus said you would hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nations going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines, pestilences, or pandemics, earthquakes in diverse places. He also said that this gospel, the gospel of the kingdom of God, that he preached and the disciples preached, that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Any true man or woman of God today will teach the same gospel of the kingdom of God that Jesus and the apostles taught. Then Jesus said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. When you see that Antichrist stand in a rebuilt Jewish temple, let him who has understanding Let them understand and instruct others. And then he said, but when you see that, let them which is is in those that be in Judea, the settlers, let them flee into the mountains. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Then he said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, Shall the sun be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Then 
shall appear, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. This is the rapture. However, Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, does not include every end time event. Jesus just was giving us some things to watch for, but he did not give us everything to watch for. That is why we need to look at other Bible prophets to get the big picture of this end time scenario. And that is what I want to do today. I'm going to go through an end time scenario laid out in Bible prophecy, but I'm also going to show you current events to show you how we know we're in this end time scenario. It's not tens of thousands of years from now. It's happening as we speak. Now, Daniel 9.27, it prophesies that the Antichrist, the he in Daniel 9.27 is the Antichrist. It prophesies that the Antichrist will confirm a covenant with many for a final seven-year period. And, of course, that accord will be a confirmation of God's covenant with Abraham that Israel would always have a homeland in the Promised Land. Back in Genesis 15, 18, God made a covenant with Abraham and he promised him the Promised Land from the river in Egypt all the way to the great river, the river Euphrates. So today, Israel only inhabits a very small sliver of the Promised Land. I mean, it goes all the way up through Syria to the river Euphrates, way up hours and hours, hundreds of miles north of the northern Israeli border today. But God promised that to the people of Abraham and through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob forever. So that promise is still as relevant today as it was back then. So this peace agreement will confirm that covenant. Israel's right to exist in that promised land. And the fulfillment of this prophecy will be the signing of a peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians. Now, the prophesied agreement has to do at least five things. There are five characteristics to let us know, biblical characteristics, to let us know which peace agreement it is. Number one, it's going to establish a Palestinian state in Judea or the modern-day West Bank, a two-state solution. Number two, it will allow Jewish settlers presently living in Judea to remain in their homes, living as a Jewish minority in that new Palestinian state. Number three, it will place the Temple Mount under an internationally supervised sharing arrangement, allowing both Jews and Muslims to worship there. Number four, it will allow Jews to build their third temple. That will be built during the first three and one half years of the final seven years. And finally, Israel will retain control of the city of Jerusalem throughout the end time. Now, when you see this prophesied peace agreement, not any peace agreement, because there have been others, the Y River Accords, Oslo Peace Accords, the Camp David Accords, when you see those negotiations going on and peace agreements come from them, that's not the one. It wasn't Israel and Jordan, or it wasn't Israel and Egypt. 
It's going to be between Israel and the Palestinians, the area concerning the Judea or the West Bank. When you see that prophesied agreement occur with those characteristics to it, then you can know assuredly that the final seven years to the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ has begun. So, I'm going through an end time scenario here. We're going to go through some current events and we're going to jump back and forth the end time scenario, current events to let you know we're walking through this timeline right now. And I want you to know what's happening in today's news and we'll cover that in great detail when we get back because we're not looking for the end time to begin. We're in the end time right now. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800 end time. That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Welcome back, everybody. I got some current events I want to go through, but before I do that, uh, we had a great conference in Shreveport, Louisiana this past weekend. Had a, 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 many people show up, signed up a bunch of Bible studies. And this week, this coming weekend, my wife and I, just Saturday night, normally it's Saturday night, Sunday morning, we'll be there just Saturday night uh, um, on the August 27th, 6 to 8 p.m., will be in Conroe, Texas, at the Conroe Church, 1612 Oddfellow Street, there in Conroe. I'll be teaching the future according to Bible prophecy, one night only, just Saturday night. So if you'd like to meet us down there in Conroe, I don't think I'm going to be in Houston until next year. And because of COVID and a lot of things that swept through their church recently, we had to postpone the conference. I was scheduled to go down there, but... Um, this will probably be the closest that I come to Houston this year. 
Next year, we'll be back down in Houston. So if you'd like to come up to Conroe and meet us there, I look forward to seeing you guys. And what a great time we'll have on Saturday evening from 6 to 8. Okay, so we talked about the peace agreement that will be signed. When Donald Trump came into office, he decided, hey, I want to get a peace agreement done during my tenure between the Israelis and the Palestinians. But he realized that he could not bring the Israelis and the Palestinians to a peace negotiating table because the Palestinians had a veto power over it. They, if it's something that, if they didn't get everything they wanted, they would say, well, the Arab Peace Initiative from 2002 won't allow us to do this, and so we're just going we, to walk away. And the Arab community would stand behind them. So Donald Trump said, nah, I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to have, I'm going to set up a regional agreement. That's, that ended up being the Abraham Accords is what it ended up, uh, what, the, um, what it led to. And I'm going to get all the major Arab nations on board and that hopefully will bring the Israelis and the Palestinians to a negotiating table. Or at least the Palestinians. Well, Saudi Arabia has not got on board with that yet. And many people believe that they could be the ones to bring the Palestinians to the peace table and in essence almost force them to sign a peace agreement or at least to negotiate more than they ever have because their veto power is gone. Well, the Israel National News reported this just a few days ago that former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who has a great chance at becoming re-elected as the new Prime Minister in the elections coming up in November, that he was in an interview with Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro was in Israel, interviewed uh, Netanyahu. Netanyahu said this, and I'm quoting, If I'm elected now, I'm going to have peace with Saudi Arabia. They trust me. They trust me to be the bulwark against Iran. And if we have peace with Saudi Arabia, effectively, the Arab-Israeli conflict is over. Yes, we don't have Yemen. We don't have Iraq and Syria. But that's not important. He knows that Saudi Arabia is the 800-pound gorilla in the living room. That if I can get them on board a lot of this stuff will dissipate. Well, he also knows in the back of his mind that Saudi Arabia has a lot of influence over the Palestinians. And so, what were we looking at? We, from a prophetic standpoint, we're looking for a peace agreement with the characteristics. Well, the Jerusalem Post also ran an article that Israel must use Saudi, a Saudi normalization or part of the Abraham Accords as leverage for peace with the Palestinians. These guys all know what's going on. If they they believe, if they can get Saudi Arabia on board with the um, Abraham Accords, that that would bring Palestinians, they believe it would bring the Palestinians to a peace negotiating table and we would finally get something done. The article says that the improvement of the image of the Palestinians in the eyes of Israelis will probably only happen when peace is more the focus of the relationship between the two sides. Until then, the opportunity of the Israeli-Saudi gradual normalization can be a leveraging point for the benefit of the Israeli-Palestinian relations. Now, again, a lot of people see that if Saudi Arabia can get on board, that they could finally get something done as a peace, uh, a peace plan. So we'll have to see what happens 
I'm just keeping you abreast of the situation because we're living through these end times. And when a peace agreement is signed with these characteristics then between the Israelis and Palestinians, we will have started the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I also want to mention a, a war that's coming that will kill uh, one-third of the world's population. It's going to emanate from the Middle East region and horrible devastation. Uh, again, one-third of the world's population. This war is, going, is called the Sixth Trumpet War because it's going to occur at the sounding of the Sixth Trumpet. We know, we've talked about it many times, that the first five trumpets have already occurred. And so the Sixth Trumpet and that peace agreement are the next two to be fulfilled on God's prophetic timeline. So, it's described in Revelation 9, verse 13 through 18. The war is going to take place either just before or just after the peace agreement is signed. The Bible doesn't tell us um, that it, uh, it doesn't tell us which, but it does tell us that it will make up or it will take place at the latest before the final three and one half years, which is the Great Tribulation. The Sixth Trumpet War will happen before that. The Battle of Armageddon happens after the Great Tribulation. And listen, folks, it could conceivably happen at any time, scripturally, and if you look at the geopolitical situation in Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran, it could happen at any time if we have not already begun the war. Many people believe that World War III has already begun and that, we just, the, the, that it has not escalated to the point where we would have mass casualties. And so I've got an article that I'm probably going to go over with you tomorrow that talks about what Iran has learned and is going to use to their advantage from the Russia-Ukraine situation and that it is in, it's increasing their appetite for a nuclear weapon. And I'll go over that uh, in tomorrow's program. Now, continuing on this, this end-time scenario here with current events. In the aftermath of the Sixth Trumpet War. Now, these are things that we will see in the near future. There is not one-tenth of one percent chance that these will not happen. This is going to happen. God knows the end from the beginning. He told the writers of the Bible, here's your end-time scenario. Learn it and go teach it. Okay? Just as important it was for him to do the, the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and 25, he wanted us to understand these things. So, in the aftermath of this Sixth Trumpet War, in which, what, uh, we're approaching 8 billion, so 2.7 billion human beings will have died. Of course, the cry for a global organization that can prevent a war like this ever happening again is going to be deafening. We have to have peace on the earth, people will say. Well, what's always been the solution to world war, the last two? World government, right? Well, that's coming after World War III. The international community is going to adopt a fully functioning world governing entity to eliminate the possibility of a global war ever taking place again. That's what the League of Nations was after World War I. That's what the United Nations was after World War II. But they're still not a fully functioning world governing body. They want to be able to dictate, to govern, to Everything's compulsory. You don't have a choice. They want to Hitlerize everything. They do not have that now. 
but there will come a time when they do. The nations of the world, after this one-third of the world's population is destroyed, will surrender their sovereignty, most of the nations, I should say, not every nation, but most of the nations, in the name of security, will surrender their sovereignty to this new world government so that it can eliminate war completely. At least that will be the ruse. Of course, that's not going to happen. We know that there will be um, little skirmishes and people fighting against the Antichrist and then the Battle of Armageddon is going to happen. So it's not going to eliminate war. And this world government will be the culmination of years of planning that have already been in progress. We're at the culmination of this thing, everybody. For several years, it had been generally believed that there were two major causes of war on the earth. Conflicts between nations and conflicts between religions. That's what Iran's problem is. It's a religious problem. They believe they should implement their Shiite version of Sharia law globally. It's a religious mindset with them. With Russia and Ukraine, it's a geopolitical situation. With um, China and Taiwan, it's a geopolitical situation. Not with Iran. This is religious with them. And so the solution, simple in the minds of the global leaders, right? Do away with the nation states, and that way you don't have any specific territory to protect and force everyone on earth to pledge allegiance to one single ultimate political authority, a world government. That's really what's going on down here on the Texas border. Is Joe Biden is doing exactly what his globalist cohorts are telling him to do. Don't protect the southern border. I've heard that there, I read the other day that there have been 5 million people come across our border illegally since Joe Biden has taken the office. Five million. So between he and the Obama-Biden administration, you're probably, with what the, that's the ones they know about, you're probably bumping 20 million people. Okay? We have the strongest military on the planet. We could protect our borders tomorrow morning. But we do not do that. Joe Biden will not do what he's supposed to do as the President of the United States because he is a globalist. He believes in a world government. And do away with the nation state. Don't protect your borders. Yield up your sovereignty to this one world governing body. You think the elections coming up aren't important? Oh, man. Very important. We need to trust God. And, but you also, the elections are very important. Okay, just gonna, That's one of the million reasons they are. And number two, to solve this, these um, conflicts on the earth, we need to abolish the doctrinal differences between all religious organizations and coerce church leaders to sign declarations of unity with a single, all-inclusive religious authority, the prophesied one world religion. You say, oh, Dave, come on. This isn't going to happen. I mean, this is years down the road. No, it's not. Most religious organizations have already signed on to this, folks. I'm talking about major evangelical churches here in the United States. Major church organizations have already signed on to this thing. We're not at the beginning of this. We're at the culmination of it. And you 
And I need to make sure we belong to a true Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church in the end time because I've talked to people who their churches, their church, or I should say their boards, have already signed on to this and even some of the pastors out here in the field doing the work, they didn't know about it. They said, oh, no, not my church. And I'm like, no, no, go check what happened in 1999. Go check what happened in the early 2000s. Your church has already signed on to this. And they didn't know about it. And they went and done the research and came back and told me, oh, my goodness, I didn't know about that. And so very, very important that we understand. Have a working knowledge of the Word of God in the end time. It'll keep you from being caught up in this stuff. The Bible says in the end time, God will make a plea. Come out of this false religion, my people, that you be not a partaker of our sins and of our plagues. God's going to judge that. Don't be a part of that world religious system in the end time. So, life site news, you say, well, this world governing body, I haven't heard anything about that. I taught a Bible study in New York years ago. I had a lady came to the Bible study that worked at the United Nations, and she didn't have a clue that it was the seat of world government in the earth. She worked there, folks. So, LifeSite News. They reported that the U.N. Secretary General, he, this is the title of the article, the U.N. Secretary General calls for a global governance with teeth. Enforcement methods. He wants to be able to dictate to countries and tell them what to do. Not to just suggest in a general assembly. That's not what he's wanting. He wants to dictate. Well, he is a dictator. The current Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, he was president of the Socialist International, the number one socialist on the planet from 1999 to 2005. Guess what? He's the current Secretary General of the United Nations. The the Socialist International, the declaration of the Socialist International that he was president of, it was, and this was endorsed at the council conference that was held in Oslo back in 1962, it states, and I'm quoting, the ultimate objective of the parties of the Socialist International is nothing less than world government. They're not trying to hide it. And Antonio Guterres, who was the president of that organization, is our current Secretary General of the United Nations. It's all established to be a one world governing body. But some people say, well, I know, Dave, but we're not really living in the end time. I mean, folks, I've got proof after proof. I've got boxes of proof up in my office. My computer's full of proofs. We're absolutely living in the end time. I'm walking you through the end time scenario. I'm giving you current events. I'm proving over and over and over. We are, in fact, in the end time. And I'm hoping that it will put a sense of urgency in you to make yourself, if you're not ready to meet the Lord, if you don't know 100%, I'm born again and I'm ready to meet the Lord. I hope that you would prepare to do that soon. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, part two. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. The Bible also says that in the end time, the leader of this false religious system will support, come into alliance with and support and advocate for the one world government. They're going to be in complete alliance with each other. Well, we're seeing this happen. Now, I'm not saying Pope Francis is the false prophet. I don't know that at this point. Whoever the Antichrist is at the time Uh, Whoever the Pope is at the time of the Antichrist, that's who will be the false prophet. However, the Popes for decades now have called for a world governing body. Pope Francis as well. In Pope Francis's 2015 encyclical, Laudato Si, on the care for our common home, it states the, um, or so I'm not quoting, but the goal of the encyclical was to promote the prophesied one world government. In the encyclical, Pope Francis laid out the propaganda of human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change. And he said, hey, we're destroying the planet. Humans are doing this. He And, which is a total hoax. We know that global warming, which leads to climate change, is just a ruse by the global government's propaganda by the global elite to establish a world government. It's ex- that's all it is. Pope Francis is advocating a true world political authority in the encyclical. He calls for a true world political authority or a world government to manage this supposed crisis. There's not really a crisis, you understand. And so people that believe that it's a crisis and that we're going to burn up everything and the world's just going to explode do not understand the Bible. This old earth is going to be here beyond another thousand years beyond the second coming of Jesus Christ. So, and you know, if we got to the point where we were using up all the, the oil on the earth, do you think God can't create more? He created it to begin with. He could create just with a, a spoken word or a thought, and we'd have more oil, we'd have oil coming out everywhere. So, who do I trust? World government? Absolutely not. Am I trusting the United States government? Absolutely not. I'm trusting God. Because God 
is the one that died for me on the cross. God is the one who's going to protect us. God is my Lord, my Savior. And He is my true God. And that is it. I'm trusting Him. Because He's the one that created this big ball we're standing on. And I know He's the one that's going to sustain us all the way through. I'm not looking for the sustainable development goals. I'm looking for God who is the sustainer of everything. And if, you're not, if, you're, if your mind is not pointed in that direction, let's get it pointed in that direction. Because very, very important. Now, the Bible predicts that the world government and world religion will be governed by this duo of the most, they're going to be the most deceitful demonic humans that have ever lived. The, there's going to be a leader, this, the Antichrist. He's going to arise out of Europe. That's Daniel 7, 8. 7, 8. And he will have aided in the negotiations for that prophesied peace agreement I talked about earlier. He's going to be a great orator, a great administrator, a, a, a supposed great leader. Problem is, he's leading in the wrong direction. But he's going to have this ulterior motive a, 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 um, in his mind. He's going to be like a wolf in sheep's clothing, if you will. He's eventually going to see, uh, seize the reins of the influence to be the, the most powerful politician in Europe. And from that power base, he's going to maneuver himself into control of the emerging world government. At the beginning of that, this ascending world leader, he's going to be viewed by many as the next great peacemaker. I mean, he finally got a peace agreement between the Israelis and Palestinians across the finish line. Nobody else has been able to do that. But to those of us who know and understand our Bibles... He is shortly going to be recognized as the Antichrist. I told the church in Shreveport uh, yesterday that there will come a time when I can get on the radio and television and say, hey, so-and-so is the Antichrist. I can't do that now, but there will come a time in the future when I can do that. Now, simultaneous with the emergence of the prophesied world government is going to be the birth of a global religious system. Interfaithism, as it's already being called, is going to be a union of Catholicism, Protestantism, every religion under the leadership of the Pope at that time. And that religious union is going to be founded on the belief that, hey, Jews, Muslims, Christians, they all worship the same God, but they just call Him by different names. And that's very important today because it's okay, it's politically correct to say God but it's not politically correct in many circles to say Jesus, okay? And to say, I serve Jesus because, hey, that singles you out. Let's just call him God. That's more politically correct. I love and serve Jesus. Who died for you on the cross? Jesus, right? So, you got to know who you serve in the end time. Interfaithism will attempt to embrace all religions of the world as just one big um, religion that tolerates all. Hey, you know, it does not that we don't love everybody, but I cannot tell somebody who's worshiping a stone or the sun or the moon, hey, you're going to make it to heaven. I can't do that. Because that's why you need to have a working knowledge of the Word of God. Everything I tell somebody has to line up with the Word of God. 
And Scripture's clear that this religious union will be led by whoever the Pope is at the time of the Antichrist. He's going to fill the prophesied role of the false prophet. Now, by the midway point of that final seven-year period, we're not there yet, but we're approaching it very quickly, this world government led by the Antichrist and the whole world religion, Revelation, um, it's in Revelation 13, the world government, world religion, they're going to be headed by the false prophet. Revelation 13 exposes all of this. And they'll have control over the majority of the world's population. Not everybody, but the majority of the world's population. When the final seven years begins, Revelation 11:2 states that the Temple Mount in Jerusalem is going to be placed under a sharing arrangement between Jews and Muslims. The Jewish people will be allowed to build their third temple. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, 4 and Revelation 11, 1 and 2 on the Temple Mount. Now, Jonathan S. Tobin, he's the editor-in-chief of the Jewish News Syndicate in Israel. He just published an article. I think it was in today's news I found it. Israel should share its... No, no. I found it. I looked it up today. It was from a while back. He said Israel should share its Memorial Day when Muslims share the Temple Mount. Well, I've got many articles about this, but when the Temple... As a matter of fact, I just found another one today. That's why I, didn't, I might go over it tomorrow. But when the Temple is completed, animal sacrifice is going to be resumed. Daniel 9.27, just as was done in the Old Testament. And... The offering of the animal sacrifices in the temple, they're going to quickly escalate into a world crisis. The animal rights activists are going to demand that the Antichrist stop the slaughter of animals. And that dispute over the animal sacrifices, that's going to quickly lead to an event called the abomination of desolation. Once we reach the middle of this final seven-year period, many things, I mean, the prophetic fulfillments will rapidly increase and many of these events will happen almost simultaneously. Um, the first one would be the stopping of the sacrifices at the abomination of desolation. Daniel eleven thirty one says that, and the and arms shall stand on his part, and they, the Antichrist and his partners, shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. So it appears that stopping the sacrifices and the abomination of desolation will occur either very close to each other or almost at the same time. Apparently, the Antichrist will explain that, hey, these sacrifices are no more needed because I'm the Messiah and God to all that have been looking for that. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 states that he will sit in the temple of God claiming to be God. And it says, the, um, in this passage, the Apostle Paul described this event as the revealing of the man of sin, the Antichrist. Now, whoever the Pope is at the time of the abomination of desolation, when the Antichrist is revealed, he will assume the role as the false prophet. He's going to be in complete alliance with the Antichrist. He's going to be the leader of the world religious system. He's going to perform miracles before the people of the world. That's Revelation uh, 13, 13 through 14. And through these miracles, I'm telling you, this is why it is very important that you have a working knowledge of the Bible in the end time because the Bible says through these miracles that he was able to perform. 
Just because somebody can perform a miracle does not mean that it comes from God. Did you know that? Remember when Moses was trying uh, to, in, at the exodus of Israel out of Egypt, he threw his staff down and it became a serpent. That was of God. But the, the magicians, they threw their staffs down and they became serpents as well. You remember? That was a satanic miracle. That was not a godly miracle. So you better have a working knowledge of the Word of God and be able to decipher between a godly miracle and a satanic miracle. Because through these miracles, the false prophet will influence the world to pledge their allegiance to the Antichrist. About the same time with the abomination of desolation, there's going to be a war in heaven. The war in heaven has not taken place yet. I know a lot of people believe and teach that. But even in the book of Job, Satan, the Bible says, the sons of God appear before God to give an account, and Satan was with them. He had access to heaven at that point. And God said, hey, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? So Satan still has access to heaven today. Bible calls the, he's accusing the brethren day and night. So halfway, three and a half years in, at the halfway point of the final seven years, there's going to be a war in heaven. That's Daniel um, 12, 1 and 12, 7 through 10. Michael and his archangels will defeat Satan and his angels and bind them to the earth. The Bible says, hey, rejoice you that are in heaven. But in verse 12, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea because Satan comes down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he hath but a short time. And this is the beginning of the three and one half years of great tribulation when Satan will persecute Israel, the woman with 12 stars around her head in Revelation 12, and the true church of Jesus Christ, those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's all there in Revelation 12. The great tribulation is not the wrath of God. Now, I know that may mess with your theology a little bit, but there are no scriptures in the Bible that says the great tribulation is the wrath of God. Not one. I know it's taught as a traditional taught or teaching, but the great tribulation is the wrath of Satan. The wrath of God is poured out in Revelation chapter 16 at the seven vials of the wrath of God. This is the same tribulation period that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24, 15 through 21. Once the abomination of desolation occurs, Jesus warned the Jews living in Judea to flee into the mountains, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So this is why it's very important we have a working knowledge of the Word of God. We understand the prophecies, and we know how to, to understand them for ourselves, number one, but then we can teach them to others, letting them know, hey, the God of heaven's coming back before they're very long to establish a kingdom. Let me show you how to be a part of that kingdom. It's called the gospel of the kingdom of God. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
we survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Now, you understand on the timeline that during that three and a half years, Jews li- from because of the peace agreement, Jews living in Judea, the modern-day West Bank, they're going to be allowed to remain in their homes inside that Palestinian state. This is going to set up the situation where the Jews will be forced to flee for their lives, just like Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24. Well, current events. President Trump's Peace to Prosperity Peace Plan, it actually stated that the Israeli population located in the enclaves that remain um, inside continuous Palestinian territory that are part of the state of Israel, they shall have the option to remain in place unless they choose otherwise. And they can maintain their existing Israeli citizenship. Donald Trump proposed the exact scenario that Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 24. In the midst of all this chaos, now this is during the three and one half years of Great Tribulation, God's going to send His two witnesses, Revelation 11, 3 to begin their ministries, which will last the next uh, 1,260 days or three and one half years. During the last half of the final seven years, many events will occur, setting the stage for the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. I have had some contact me lately. I think somebody was on Open Line Friday that had a question about the ancient Jewish wedding proving a pre-tribulation rapture. Well, and I know many people teach that, but that does not align with Scripture because that belief teaches um, that the teaching is built around a seven-year Great Tribulation period. Okay, However, that's not scriptural. Every description of the Great Tribulation in the Bible teaches that it lasts for three and one-half years. Um, Daniel 7.25 Daniel 12, verses 1 through 7. Revelation 11, 3 through 12. Revelation 12, 6. Revelation 12, 7 through 17. And Revelation 13, 5 through 7. All of them, every description of the duration of the Great Tribulation is three and one half years. There is a final seven years. Totally agree. But the Great Tribulation only lasts three and one half years. So the ancient Jewish wedding does not prove a pre-tribulation rapture. Again, you've got to have a working knowledge of the Word of God, folks. Now, it's at this time that the Antichrist and the false prophet will fully implement the economic system known as the Mark of the Beast. Revelation 13, 16 through 18. Everybody's going to be given their own unique identification number, a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, without which you're not going to be able to buy or sell. Economic control. Think about what's going on in the earth today with all the central bank digital currencies, the social credit scores, all these different things. Programmable central bank digital currencies. 
economic control is what's going to be used to force the citizens of the world to comply with the dictates of the one world government and the one world religion. The plan's going to be to give everyone on earth, again, a number. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a chip or what it's going to be, but it's going to be some kind of a mark that's going to be necessary to function in society. If any individual does not submit, obey, and pledge allegiance to the Antichrist and his supreme authority, that person's number will be invalidated. Or, in a central bank digital currency, you could not have access to your money. Think about that. They're putting the system in place to be able to do that. Even our president, Joe Biden. And this individual, if they don't want to submit or pledge allegiance, they're not going to be permitted to hold a job, participate in the economy. The World Crunch, that's a uh, news source, they published an article. Get this. It's time for a unique identification, a unique digital ID for every person on the planet. They, in the article, they published it. I'm going to quote, The United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees also seeks to create a permanent encrypted way to identify um, that can be shared to the 20 million people they are responsible for. With, with ID2020, a public-private partnership between New York that gathers... Accenture, Microsoft, the Rockefeller Foundation, many NGOs, among others, they study the benefits of blockchain, blockchain technology, and the thought was that blockchain can be used as a sort of a forgery-proof register that would allow refugees to grant access to their specific personal data and to a specific organization. And that, um, that was Giuseppe Giordano, who was a manager at the Accenture Labs, at Sophia Antopolis Technology Park in France. The research, they also say, listen at this sentence, the research could also be applied to everyone one day. A unique digital ID to every single person on the planet. This is current events, folks. Prophesied about 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation chapter 13. The sociable news source, they published an article the World Economic Forum, this is the title, the World Economic Forum and the World Trade Organization push a global digital identity of persons and objects. The article states, and I'm quoting, in his 2017 book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, World Economic Forum founder Klaus Schwab remarked, any package, pallet, or container can now be equipped with a sensor, transmitter, or radio frequency identification and RFID tag that allows a company to track where it is as it moves through the supply chain and how it is performing, how it is being used, and so on. Listen at this. In the near future, similar monitoring systems will also be applied to the movement and tracking of people. 2,000-year-old prophecy coming to pass as we speak. Precursors to the Mark of the Beast, folks. The Forbes news source, they published an article. I'm quoting, The central bank digital currencies are about control. They should be stopped. I'm quoting, The central bank digital currency itself is mainly the government's attempt to protect its privileged position and exert more control over money. The problem is 
that there is no limit to the level of control that the government could exert over people if money is purely electronic and provided directly by the government. A central bank digital currency would give federal officials full control over the money going into and coming out of every person's account. The government and the Federal Reserve, a a, a cabal of private bankers, would have that much control over United States citizens if it's implemented here. Again, precursors to the mark of the beast coming before very long. Not necessarily to the United States, but to most nations on the planet. So on this, in the end time scenario, God, all the while during this, God's two witnesses, Revelation 11, 3 through 12, will be prophesying, performing miracles, smiting the earth with plagues. But at the end of their ministry, the Antichrist and his world governing system is going to put them to death. Their bodies will lie in the streets of Jerusalem for three and one half days. And of course, the international uh, community, the media, these media broadcast, they're going to broadcast the entire incident to the world. After three and one half days are done, the Lord will raise them up from the dead. He's going to call them up to heaven while the whole world watches in amazement. At the end of this seven-year period, two of the most recognizable prophecies in the Bible will take place. The Battle of Armageddon, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And surrounding these two prophecies, again, just like the halfway point, is going to be quite a number of significant events, all leading to the culmination of this age and the beginning of the 1,000-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. At the very end of the Great Tribulation, the seven vials of the wrath of God will be poured out. That's, uh, you can read them in Revelation 16. The first vial is poured out upon those who receive the mark of the beast during the Great Tribulation. And when the sixth vial is poured out, the great river Euphrates is dried up in preparation for the kings of the east to make their way down towards Israel to the Battle of Armageddon. And once that sixth vial is poured out, Revelation 16, 15 gives uh, a kind of like a, a last-minute warning to the inhabitants of the earth. It says, uh, Behold, I come quickly. Or I'm sorry. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest they walk naked and they see his shame. That's when the rapture occurs. You understand? Um, and then the, the Lord only comes as a thief one time in the future. And that's at the time of the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Then in verse 16, the prophecy, one of the most ominous prophecies, the Bible says, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. The international armies of the United Nations will invade Israel from the north. It's going to be joined in the plain of Megiddo. Israel is going to fight valiantly against the world governing armies. However, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, they're going to fall back slowly but surely, before the superior firepower of the world government. The conflict's going to proceed with Israel retreating all the way to its capital, Jerusalem. And after days of exhausting battle, Israel's going to make her last stand within the walls of Jerusalem, right there in the Kidron Valley between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. And in spite of the heroic efforts by the Israeli soldiers, the Jewish people are going to find themselves facing defeat by the armies of the Antichrist. It's going to look like Israel 
is going to be defeated. But it's at that time that the seventh and last trump is going to sound. Jesus Christ will return to gather the elect from the earth. Matthew 24, 29-31. We're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Go with His saints to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon. It's Revelation 19. Uh, Zechariah tells us that he will plant his feet on the Mount of Olives at that point. And during the battle of Armageddon, the seventh vial will be poured out upon the earth. And that's going to result in great hailstones being rained upon those armies that have come down to fight against Israel at the battle of Armageddon. And then, like I said, Zechariah 14.4 tells us that Jesus will place his feet on the Mount of Olives outside Jerusalem when he comes to the earth. And when that happens... There's going to be a huge earthquake, and the Bible says it's going to kill 7,000 people in Jerusalem. And when Jesus touches down on the Mount of Olives, all of Israel will rush out to meet him because they understand the prophecy of Zechariah 14, and they know that the Messiah, the conquering king, is coming back someday to the Mount of Olives. And when he does, they're all going to rush out to meet him and they're going to see the nail scars in his hands and they're going to say, where'd you get these nail scars? And he's going to say, these are those with which I got in the house of my friends. And the Bible says in Romans eleven twenty five and 26 that all of Israel will be saved at that point. So at the second coming of Jesus Christ, he's going to appear as a loving, merciful Savior to those who have obeyed his word. But he's going to, to those who didn't obey his word, and receive him as Lord, he's going to come back in vengeful, flaming fire to execute judgment. Now, I told you all that today to let you know we're in the end time. I'm not looking for it to begin years and years from now. We're already there, folks. We're just prior to this second coming event occurring. And I want to put a sense of urgency in you, not to scare you, but to set you on a course towards preparing for that second coming and to helping us, End Time Ministries, and the true churches of Jesus Christ around the world evangelize this world for the cause of Jesus Christ, to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God. The God of heaven is coming back before very long. Let us show you how to be a part of that kingdom. God bless. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.